Welcome back to Wake Up With W Fab. And today we are going to be bringing back therapy talks. And I'm super excited, guys. I was just starting to tell you guys how the like months and months and months ago, the last time we did a therapy talks, I actually started writing down all of the kind of lessons that I've learned in therapy. And there was like a lot. There was like, I think in total, like 15 different lessons that I've learned in therapy. And uh, I kind of go through one or two or three of them on each therapy talk that we do. And, you know, I really wanted to go over a few of them today, but I started like writing them down because I was like, I wanted to keep track of which ones I spoke about, which ones I didn't. Um, so I did talk about these, but maybe like a year and a half ago or something like that, like a long time ago. And today I wanna kind of dive in uh, a little bit deeper into some of these other ones that, that um, I've talked about. So today I just randomly selected one. So the first one that I want to talk about, the first lesson that I learned in therapy, or one of the first lessons was all about codependency. Has anybody ever heard of codependency before? Drop, drop some ones in the chat if you heard of it, or like know what it is and drop some twos if you're like not 100% sure. Okay, we got some ones in there. Okay, so if, for those of you that have ones, someone's like, yes, me, upside down face. <laughs> Okay, for those of you that put ones, what would you say your definition of codependency is? Because codependency was a really valuable lesson that I learned both in my family dynamic and also in my relationship dynamic before. I, I've definitely he healed from it, I would say mostly um, in my relationship dynamic, but I think family dynamic, I, a part of it is always gonna be there, you know what I mean? As Shishana said, cannot do something without someone else or their approval, not being able to do anything without another person being involved, depending on another person, relying on someone else, relying on others. So, yes, very similar to those things. Dependence, yeah. Yes, this one's really good. Someone said on the live, my happiness depending on how the other person treats me. Yep, that's a really big feature of codependency. When you can't go to the gym without someone, LOL. <laughs> I guess that's dependence too. My happiness coming from someone else. Yes, those are those are big signs of codependency for sure. So there's lots of different kind of de de definitions of codependency, but in the simplest form, it's basically the loss of self, the loss of caring for yourself and doing more for others than you do for yourself, right? So when you lose your, like lose care, the care for yourself, in a relationship with somebody else. Now that could be a romantic relationship, that could be a friendship, that could be a family dynamic. It really doesn't matter, but it's kind of losing the, the care for yourself and putting the care for the relationship with that person above you, right? And sometimes you can feel like you're losing your identity in codependency. I've definitely felt like that before because you're, you're giving so much to the other person, right? Whether it's wanting like having a huge desire for them to be happy that you're willing to do anything to get them to that happiness state and that is kind of masked as you just being a very caring person typically people that are codependent sometimes are very caring people sometimes the opposite right but majority of the time are very very caring people and the roots of codependency usually start in childhood usually start when you are a child, right? Stemming from the relationship that you have with your parents, 
most of us have a codependent relationship with our parents or whoever our caregivers are. And then we take that into adulthood. I know that definitely was the case for me, right? So you could be in, in like any sort of controlling dynamic, which I think depending on how you grew up, it doesn't mean that your parents were bad, but depending on how you grew up, for example, in our country where I grew up, it was normal to, you know, to, to, to get beat by your parents, to get some spankings. I know that was normal in a lot of your guys' places too, right? Or just um, to, to stay in line with whatever it is that your parents are telling you, even if they're not actually beating you or giving you spankings, but like actually stay in line, like have to listen to exactly what it is that they're saying, right? And there tends to be some sort of controlling dynamic, right? And any kind of controlling dynamic of any kind, doesn't matter whether you get spanks or don't get spanks or just get yelled at or just get that stare. You know, you know that stare that you get that, make you, that makes you make sure you don't do what you're about to do, <laughs> like that stare, right? That sort of controlling dynamic forces a child at a very early age to be able to read and scan everything around them, right? Read and scan their family members and their moods and the way that they're behaving, the way that they're reacting so that we as a child can act accordingly so we can keep the peace or so we can get more attention, right? So that our attention doesn't get taken away uh, uh, from us by like, you know, going in a timeout or whatever. So these things, we learn at a very early age how to read our parents' moods, our parents' dynamics, just so we can act in accordance to them so that we don't, you know, lose their, we don't lose their love or we don't lose their attention and, or so that we can get more attention, we can get more attention from them, right? So this kind of starts building that codependency because we start to mold the way that we act so that we do not risk losing any love or any attention from the parents, right? However, when you are codependent, and if you're codependent, you start to develop this feeling that you have to sacrifice all the time. Like all the time you have to sacrifice so that other people can be well, or you have to give, give, give. We tend to be give, 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 whether it's our energy, our time, our emotional energy, uh, our help to people. We always, codependent people always think that they can solve other people's problems. Like y'all be the biggest problem solvers. Like y'all just want to solve everybody's problems. Y'all want to solve, y'all want to fix everybody, right? You want to fix everybody and you want to solve their problems, <laughs> right? And we tend to become very good at the do, you know that quote that says, do unto others as you wish that was done unto you or treat others how you wish you would be treated. We tend to be very good at that. And we forget that we also have to receive as much as we're giving. We kind of talked about that last time, right? We got to give and receive and we forget that part. Codependent people tend to not really be good at receiving, whether it's energy or compliments or gifts, or it doesn't matter. We tend to always give, 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 give. We forget to receive. But you got to remember, this is uh, 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 in the book, it had, a, it had a biblical like quote, but nothing religious, just to give you guys an, an example that even Jesus had to retreat to the mountains or the ocean 
to replenish himself after long days of healing others. Everybody, doesn't matter who you are, you have to give to yourself first, right? Give to yourself first. You know, when, in, when we're in an airplane and it tells us if the masks drop, we got to put the mask on ourselves first before we put it on the child, because we are of no use. If we drop dead because we can't breathe, we can't help anybody else. You have to give yourself the love and the attention that you need. And codependents tend to struggle with that. And then some codependents go to the other extreme and hyper fixate on fixing other people. And this is also not good, right? Because they tend to be draining. They hyper fixate. Have y'all ever been with anybody like that? Like they literally want to fix everybody and everything. And like you start talking about your problem and they literally offer unsolicited advice. I definitely am guilty of this sometimes, but unsolicited advice, just giving, 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 giving. They try to fix your problem when you're like, you're like, bro, I'm just trying to like vent. Like, I don't need you to solve all my problems. Like relax a little bit, you know? This is the other like extreme of codependency. That overwhelming need that you're like, okay, like, like they're talking and you like need to say something because you need to like fix their problem, right? That is also codependency because you are going to get some sort of fulfillment from fixing others. It's, it's a, a method of self-avoiding, right? It again stems from childhood, that need to fix that need to fix the, 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 your families for your personal safety. And codependency is very much so linked with people pleasing. This is something that I struggled with a lot. When I first got into this business, people pleasing was a very big problem for me. Very big problem for me. I cared so much about my connection with other people that I would avoid conflict. I would avoid uh, you know, tough conversations. I would avoid expressing how I feel, whether it's in friendships, like I, like even in friendships, I would hold so much in all the time. I would, if it wasn't a huge deal, I would hold it in because the people pleasing. I kind of like to describe codependency in my words as this overwhelming need for another person in your life. Sometimes that can be, be masked or be confused for love. Sometimes it can be confused for love. An overwhelming need for somebody else. You need them to feel good or feel happy or feel fulfilled, or you need them to live, or you need them to fix this so that you can feel happy. Because if they don't fix that, you're not going to feel happy and you're going to be frustrated. And you're, that's codependency. That's my kind of definition of it. This overwhelming need for another person. Sometimes you even feel like empty or lost without this person. And you can't even function sometimes if your relationship is not in a good standing. That is codependency. What I learned through therapy is that the people in your life, your friendships, your relationships, those people should add onto your life 
not, and you should feel whole even without them. So when you are not in a good standing with somebody, you, your whole life shouldn't feel in shambles. And I had this issue in, in, my, in my relationships, right? Because I had a codependency with my family, with my family, it wasn't so much that I had like a lot of issues with my parents. I don't even know what, the, what it stemmed from, but I had this overwhelming need to fix them. Like I had an overwhelming need to fix my parents, to fix my brother. And then I, if I didn't fix them, they would really affect my happiness, right? Like I would get so worked up, like nobody else could trigger me the way that like my family would trigger me because my happiness was so attached to them. And if they weren't happy, I wasn't happy. And later on that stemmed into relationships. So when I had my, before, now I'm like pretty much healed of that, but when before, when I was in a, a, my, my very serious relationship, I had this old, like I had this overwhelming need to be okay with this person, to be in good standing. So as a result, I would avoid conflict and I would put their needs above mine. And I would literally, if we were fighting or we were arguing, I could not function. I literally could not function. I literally couldn't work my business. I literally felt like like anxious and, and like, like my, I was going crazy. And like, I literally couldn't like function normally. Like my day to day was completely impacted by how my relationship was with this person. So if my relationship with that person was not good for a few days, I would basically be fucked for a few days. And that's codependency. Codependency is also putting their needs above yours. At some point, in codependence relationships, you can start to feel like you're losing yourself. And I started feeling like that because I was putting their needs so much above my natural needs that slowly my, my personality started to adapt to fit their needs, right? So that is another layer of codependency. Typically, people who are codependent they have challenges saying no or stop or setting limits, right? Or boundaries. Sometimes they have trouble detaching themselves from the people they're codependent with and focusing on themselves, like never being able to be alone or never like, like, like never being able to be single or never being able to be apart, like from certain people and focusing on yourself. Sometimes they struggle even with knowing what they need to do or asking people for what they want. Like struggle to actually vocalize your needs. They, they, they very struggle. They struggle with negative feelings, sharing how they're feeling if it's something negative. Right? Like expressing any negative emotions or negative feelings. They often struggle with doing things for themselves, like planning and doing things for themselves. Um, they struggle with not controlling others and not giving advice as well, because they're fixers. They struggle with receiving way more than they're giving. Sorry, uh, they struggle with receiving. They give way more than they receive. A lot of times they also struggle with trusting themselves and making decisions. 
because they're always depending on other people to get their advice and their input for their decisions. They struggle also with not losing themselves in a relationship. Not losing themselves in a relationship, their identity, their own personality, their own life, like existing outside of this other person. And the other thing that they really struggle with is breakups. That was definitely for me. I struggle with that for sure. I feel like I'm recovering codependent. It's okay. Most people have some sort of codependency in their life. So I want to kind of layer because I found this really cool um, graphic and I want to kind of layer the kind of key differences between codependent relationships and independent relationships. Codependent relationships, there's a lot of self-sacrifice. So you're ignoring your personal needs so you can please the needs of others. Whereas interdependent relationships, there's a lot of self-love. So self-sacrifice versus self-love. In interdependent relationships, you don't ignore your personal needs to please others. You make time for yourself and your needs. Codependent relationships don't have healthy boundaries. Interdependent relationships have healthy boundaries and respect. Codependent relationships, you may be feeling like you're walking on eggshells, like you're afraid to say no, you're afraid to speak your mind, you're afraid to say something to upset the other person. You kind of like literally pivot the way that you're gonna talk or walk or behave so that you don't upset the other person. That is a codependent relationship. Whereas interdependent relationships have healthy communication and empathy from both sides. Codependents are emotionally suppressive. Interde interdependent is expressive. So codependent, you are suppressing your emotions or your needs, again, to please the other person. Whereas in an interdependent relationship, it's easy to approach and discuss and express how you're feeling. Okay? Codependent, there's manipulation, controlling behaviors, blaming others, low self-esteem for either one person or both. Interdependent, your people are taking responsibility for their own relation, for their own behaviors, whether it's toxic behaviors or not, and they're trying to heal their unhealthy patterns. And both people have healthy self-esteem. Codependents, they rely heavily on other people for their self-worth and emotional well-being. This is a big one. I remember I used to like think that my partner was responsible for me feeling happy. Like if they would just do this, that would make me happy. And why wouldn't they want to make me happy? Why don't they want to do something to make me happy if they're my partner, right? I used to almost depend on them for like my emotional well-being or, or to, be, to be truly happy. Whereas interdependent people are self-reliant and can achieve happiness regardless of what the other person is going through. So I had to learn how to do that even in my family dynamics because if my family members were unable or unwilling to heal their traumas, I needed to learn how to be happy regardless. To separate myself 
from whatever situation they're going through and disconnect to a point. You know, it doesn't mean I don't care about them and I don't speak to them and I don't try to support them, but it means that I don't allow their negative life patterns or their problems or their traumas that are unhealed and they're not working on. I don't allow those things to impact my well being and my happiness. So I learned how to draw a line to not be so connected and because I real like I learned through therapy that I cannot control other people I cannot fix their problems right so if my happiness is dependent on their happiness then I'm never going to be happy so I had to disconnect and regardless of what situation they were going through what traumas and what problems they were going through I had to learn to disconnect so that I could continue to be happy with my life right? So that's being self-reliant, self-sufficient, being able to regulate your own emotions and not expecting another person to do that. And the last thing with, with codependence is they often feel very guilty or they feel a lot of shame for either one or both people when the relationship is not going well. They feel guilty and they feel a lot of shame. Versus interdependent relationships, they create a, a, like a, like a loving, loving atmosphere where they can be vulnerable and they both try their best to make the relationship work. So these are some signs of codependency. And I think the way that I started healing the codependency in my life, whether it's in my family dynamics or in my actually romantic relationships, you know, and the last relationship that I had, I don't feel like I was codependent, like I, I at all, like I mean, I'm sure there's some level of some degree of something at all, but I truly feel like I overcame that codependency. I really put myself first, my desires, my needs, like communicating. Like if I didn't like something, I would talk about it right away rather than in my previous relationships, I would avoid talking about it to maintain the relationship, right? And the way, the biggest thing that I realized is the, the way that I started healing my codependency is to just be aware of it. I started being aware of that overwhelming desire, the overwhelming need to fix other people or that overwhelming need for them to do something so that I would be happy, right? And I started naming it that. Well, that, that's codependency, sister. You know, that overwhelming need for this other person be careful because it can sometimes be masked as love, but this overwhelming need where you cannot feel, you basically feel like you can't function without this person or without them doing or being a certain way, that's codependency. And you have to start working on regulating yourself and your emotions to start to heal it. And it's not going to heal overnight. But I think the first step was just awareness, being aware. The first step in anything in therapy is being aware of it happening. And once you're aware, your body will naturally start to heal. Why? Because it's seeing every time it happens. Oh, there it goes again, codependency. I'm allowing myself, I'm not shaming myself for feeling the way that I'm feeling, but I can notice that it is codependency. I can label it, right? That one took a little bit longer, right? Someone asked me, 
How long did it take you to overcome? I would, I actually don't know the full time frame, but my last relationship, uh, like the, the one, like two years, two and a half, oh my God, almost like three years ago, where I was engaged, was extremely codependent. I like lost myself completely. After that, I took a lot of time to heal. I took about two years um, to not date because I really, I noticed that I was codependent. And, and, and like when I realized it, I noticed that I was like very attached and I wanted to really work on myself before getting into another relationship because otherwise the same patterns would just repeat themselves, right? And I knew that when you don't learn your lesson, what does the universe do? It sends you the same lesson over and over and over again until you learn it. So I really wanted to take the time to heal properly and work on myself. So I was single for about two years. Um, and after the, the next relationship that I was in, my most recent one, I don't feel like I was codependent at all. Like I really was, it was really such a healthy relationship, like very healthy relationship. It was like the first sign I've ever had of an extremely healthy relationship with good boundaries, good communication, like everything was really healthy. I'd never experienced that before. And it kind of gave me hope, you know, that that exists. Right. But I, so I would say technically two years, but I'm sure it was a little bit sooner. I just never started dating, but in my family dynamics, I would say about a year, about a year, a year and three months, a year and four months. Um, it started slowly starting to change, but this change is, is gradual over time, right? Like I continue to learn about codependency and like my triggers and when I was feeling a certain way and like when somebody in my family would really trigger me and I would get like enraged I would really analyze why that was happening whether it's with my therapist or by myself I would analyze why that's happening why I'm so attached to this person or the way they behave or the way whatever and honestly and you guys know I have such a good relationship with my parents if you watch me on Instagram you can see like I'm really close with my parents. I'm really close with my family. So codependency doesn't mean that you're in bad terms with your family, right? But it's just, it's just that you're putting their needs above yours or you're, you're um, you know, you need them to be a certain way so that you're going to be happy. It doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship. I have an amazing relationship with my parents, but I was very codependent and they would trigger me a lot when, when um, they, because because of certain things and not just my parents, my, my brother as well, my other family members. So honestly, me moving away to Miami was like a huge pillar in, in, in like not having that codependency, huge, huge, huge pillar. I immediately felt like a, like a, like a, like a relief because I was kind of in my own space, regulating my own emotions. And I wasn't surrounded in the same household with other people's emotions. You know what I mean? And as much as I love them, and again, don't take this the wrong way because it doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship or that you don't love them. It just means that you have to learn to regulate your emotions yourself so that, especially because like, even once you're in the healing process, when you're in the vicinity of the people that have developed your codependency, it's triggering, right? Your family and your partner is gonna be the number one people that are gonna trigger you because that's where all your childhood like things came from. You grew up on that, right? So regardless, that's the thing that is gonna be the most triggering. Even now I spent a month and a half with my dad 
you only triggered me once, so that's good, <laughs> right? So I've grown and gotten better, but, but if I had stayed in that atmosphere, it would have taken me longer to grow, right? Because it, you're in the atmosphere that kind of breeded the codependency in the first place. You understand what I'm saying? So um, I think that for me, that helped a lot. Like moving away helped. I mean, it doesn't have to be as far as Miami, but that really helped a lot with being able to regulate my own emotions so that when I did go back, I, did, I don't feel as, I feel a lot less dependent on their ha happiness and their well-being for me to be happy. Does that make sense? And to the average person, that may sound selfish, but it's not. You have to like you cannot place the destiny of your happiness in someone else's hands. It doesn't matter if they're your parents, if they're your children, if they're your uh, siblings, if they're your partner, you cannot place the destiny of your happiness in somebody else's hands. You cannot, because you cannot control another person. And therefore you will always be a slave to whatever they're feeling and whatever they're going to and to the limit that they're willing to work on themselves, right? Somebody said, I used to be really codependent. I almost lost myself. Now I'm independent and do everything myself without approval of anyone. Now I can't bring myself to want anything to do with another relationship. And honestly, babe, I was like that for a whole year, right? Like I didn't want to see another person. I didn't want to talk to anybody because I really wanted to heal myself first. So just focus on healing yourself and working on yourself. And when it's ready, it will come to you, you know, with the, with the relationships. So that's a little bit about codependency. I didn't expect it to be that long, but that was like the whole freaking, <laughs> that was like the whole thing. Um, I don't even know if I should start the next, the next topic because it's like, it's a whole nother topic. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions? Should I start the next topic? We only got 15 minutes left, so. Yes, okay, I'm gonna try to do it quickly. So the next, lesson that I learned. So the first lesson was about codependency. The next lesson that I learned was about depression. And when I had started therapy, I was in a very, very deep depression. So this news came to me like, a, like it was really important to me. And it was the, the difference between anxiety and depression. Okay. Anxiety is living in the future, right? Living in the future. Anxiety is not an emotion, but it's what happens when, actually, let me tell you what depression is first. Depression, this quote changed my life. Suppression leads to depression. Suppression leads to depression. What does that mean? The suppressing of your emotion is one of the biggest causes of depression the suppressing of your emotions, okay? So often, oh, I love how you said that, depression is deep resting. Another thing that we say is depression is often an invitation to slow down and go in, inward. Why? Because typically depression is just the, the, the fact that you've been ignoring your emotions and your feelings and the things that you've been going through and you've just been casting them to the side. You've been suppressing them so you don't feel them. Suppress, 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 suppress. And eventually that kind of has an outburst into a, into a depressive episode, right? Where you're not feeling like yourself, where you're sleeping all day, when you're tired all day, when you have no motivation for anything, you know? So 
that that depression is an invitation to slow down and go inward. And the difference between anxiety and depression is that anxiety, right? You're living into the future and anxiety is actually what happens when you try to suppress something, but you don't succeed. So depression is when you suppress it successfully. And anxiety is when you try to suppress an emotion, whether it's anger or upset or sadness, but you actually don't succeed. So it comes out as anxiety. You come out as anxious because you weren't successful in suppressing the emotion. Both of these things, I'm not going to say are going to be solved, but both of these things can help by learning how to actually release your emotion the right way. Right? Release your emotion the right way. And I want you guys to understand that generalized depression, obviously there's clinical depression and there's, there's more severe um, levels of depression, but generalized depression, almost every single person on this world experiences. This is why I talk about depression like it's nothing. Because before we're like, oh my God, it's so taboo. Like if you were depressed, it means you were trying to kill yourself and blah, blah, blah. And, and like, oh my, like, it's like such a dark, dark thing. Depression is something that everyone experiences to some degree. I'm pretty sure every single on, person on this call has experienced it. Generalized depression. It's a part of life, right? So most people who experience depression are not, depression are not suicidal, right? They don't want to necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily have suicidal thoughts. But there is obviously a lot of people that do. And we have to have compassion for that as well. But depression is something that everybody experiences to some degree. And what it, it's what happens when the sadness in your body gets stuck. That's why there's depression. You're not allowing to work through your emotions because the only way that you can release the anger and the sadness and whatever it is that you're feeling is to feel it and release it. You cannot get rid of it by suppressing it. You cannot. You got to move it through your body. And there's different ways that you can do that, different practices that people do. Inner child work, tapping, right? Tapping is good for anxiety, meditations. You know, uh, there's different ways releasing everything on a piece of paper. One of the ways that really helped me in therapy was crying properly. And I'm going to explain that in a sense, because I didn't know that there was a right way and a wrong way to cry. Okay. Like I like, yeah, right. Like Elvis said in the chat, huh? I didn't know that I was crying the right, the wrong way. Like I was literally crying the wrong way. I did not know that. There's crying the right way is something I learned in therapy. And, you know, it wasn't even a lesson that she taught. I just learned it through the way that she guided me through my tears and guided me through my pain. That's how I learned it. And I was like, bro, this is so different than the way that I've been crying. Right? So what I learned in therapy with crying, I'm going to try to explain it to you guys, even though um, it's kind of hard to explain because it was like, she guided me through it. But what she guided me through is whenever I was feeling, she would ask me what emotions I was feeling. Okay. And you have to go through the core emotions, sadness, anger, you know, those are kind of the two most popular, but the, the core emotions, things like disrespect is not a feeling. I feel disrespected. That's not a feeling. 
What is the core feeling of disrespect? Right? It's a little bit of sadness and a little bit of anger. So go, go find the core feelings. And she would ask me to, to take a moment, close my eyes and check in in my body where I feel that anger or that sadness or whatever I'm feeling. Where do I feel it in my body? And oftentimes you'll feel it in different ways. Sometimes it'll be like a burn in your chest. Sometimes it'll be tingles all around your body. Sometimes it'll be like something like, like something that's moving around like this in, your, in a certain part of your body, in your stomach, in your gut, in, in, in your um, heart, in your chest, in your hands. And it, it really just depends. It's going to be a different experience for everybody, right? But close your eyes and feel where you can feel it and try to make it stronger. Try to really put yourself in that emotion. So if I'm feeling angry, I'm really revving up all that anger so that I can build it up and release it. So I'm really trying to tap into that anger, right? But the key thing and the key difference between crying the wrong way and the right, well, there's no wrong way, but the way that's going to not release and the way that's going to release is the, the way that you're crying where you're not going to release is when you stay in your head and you're not focusing on your body because you're not releasing it from your body. When you stay in your head, what that looks like, and this is like the wrong way, quote unquote, is you are constantly telling yourself this story and you're repeating the story over and over and over and over again. And you continue to cry, 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 cry. And it doesn't get better. Like you just continue crying. You can, your face turns more red, your face gets swollen and the tears only build up on themselves. Like Oliver, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think of when you've experienced that. A time where you're crying and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And like, it, you don't feel better, you feel worse and you feel swollen and you feel like, you just feel like tired from how much you've been crying. You're not releasing at that point. You're actually building up more frustration, more anger, more sadness, because you keep replaying a story in your head. Oh, why the fuck did they do this? Why do I, why am I so dumb? Why am I ugly? Why is this happening to me? Why this, why that? I can't believe this is, this happened. I, this, that you're replaying the story over and over again to stay in the cycle of whatever the emotion is that you're feeling rather than focusing on your body. So the right way, quote unquote, to cry where you're actually releasing the emotion from your body is when you're focusing not in your head because the story doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they did or how they did it or whether you're stupid or not stupid. The story doesn't matter. The emotion is the emotion. The reason you're feeling the emotion doesn't matter. Don't shame yourself for it. It doesn't matter. But the emotion is the emotion. And then you have to focus on releasing it. So you got to focus on your body and where you feel it. So if it's in your chest, you feel the sadness, you feel the anger, and you kind of sink into it. And you allow yourself to cry, to, to, to cry and to do whatever feels natural. Sometimes for if it feels natural to yell or to, 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 to say something, to, to let out a grunt or whatever, a, like a partial scream when you're crying, you literally, whatever your body naturally feels like doing. Humans were actually convinced that we're, we don't release vocally, but in the animal 
kingdom, when, when animals crying, they're crying, crying out loud, they're screaming. And if you feel like you need to do that to release it, do that. Maybe you do it in a pillow, maybe do it, whatever. But whatever your body naturally feels it needs to do to release it. Cry, whatever it is, to cry, let it out. Regardless of that, you need to do it, okay? So once you do that, once you dive deep into the emotion and you allow yourself to cry, don't hold it back. Once you do that, you should, after a few minutes, start to feel a little better. Like you released something. And that's how you know that you are doing crying the right way because you're releasing the emotion. All that buildup that was in your chest or in your gut or in your body, right? You're starting to release that so that it's no longer in your body. That level of crying changed my life. And since learning that suppression leads to depression, because I went through a really bad depression three years ago, guys, I was bedridden for, for like two months. I didn't go anywhere. I lived in my bed, literally lived in my bed. I didn't shower for days. I didn't brush my teeth for days. I ate junk food. I slept in the bed next to candy wrappers and chip bags and pizza boxes in the bed for, for days and weeks. And I never want to experience that level again. Now, again, like I told you guys, depression is normal. You're going to experience it at some point. Even to this day, it's going to come back at some point. But the more that you heal, it comes back less often and less intense. Less frequent and less intense. Right? So, and that's exactly how it happened. But that... Once I learned that suppression leads to depression, I never wanted to suppress my emotions ever again. So now I literally cry on motherfucking demand. Like, I don't think you understand because I'm like, bro, this is literally the reason that I went through this horrible depression. I am never going through that again. I release my emotion whenever I feel like it. Like I've been in the car before. I remember one time I was in the car driving to the airport. I was in Jamaica with my friend. I literally started crying while I was driving because I had nowhere to go. Where am I going to go? My friend was beside me and I had to release. It is what it is. I was really anxious about the flight for some reason. And I had to release my emotion. I had to release it because I know if I suppress it, it is going to lead to depression. And I do not allow that to happen. So I literally started crying. I would be at the office at work and I would literally go into the bathroom and start crying. And then I come out and I'm good, bro. It's like nothing happened. I'm like, I, I released it. So if I had the desire, if something was in me that was making me feel upset, I allow my body to release it right away because I no longer want to fall into the trap of suppressing and that leading to depression because I've been there before. Thinking that I'm a strong person and I can handle everything and I don't need help and I don't need, and suppressing, 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 suppressing. So I shifted and I now allow my body to release whenever it feels like it needs to release. I don't care where I am, right? I go into the bathroom, I cry it out, 
I, I do the work where I'm focusing on my body and, and releasing it. And then like first feeling it. And after I feel it, I let it go. Right. And then I wash my face with cold water and we Gucci, we go back out. You give it like a like couple 10, 20 minutes and I'm good. I feel, I feel brand new because you literally can feel it leaving your body. It's crazy. And I never felt like that before. Prior to therapy, I've never felt better after crying ever. But again, you got to step away from the story in your head and focus on the feeling in your body. Okay. So those are kind of three of the lessons that, that I learned um, in, in therapy that we went over to today, went over today, codependency, depression, suppression leads to depression and, and crying, right? How to cry like the proper, the releasing way. I'm not going to say proper, the releasing way. Um, so I hope you guys got some value out of the therapy talks today. I love therapy talks. I actually miss therapy. Like I told you guys, I haven't been in a few months, but I've been consistently going prior to that for like two and a half years or something like that. And um, I think it's it's been the greatest thing for myself, for my business. Like I would not be the woman that I am today if it wasn't for therapy. So it is, I, that's why I do not stop talking about it because people need to know that it's not a taboo thing. It is an investment in yourself into getting to know yourself even deeper. It is an investment in, it's like going to, like going to therapy is like going to the gym, right? So anybody that think that's funny, that's like going to the gym, but it's going to the gym for my mind, right? It's been the best three weeks going to therapy thanks to you. It's a form of self-love. I love it. See, definitely is a form of self-love of getting to know yourself and exploring yourself so that you can, have the best life possible. How are you going to be successful in anything else if you can't be successful in, in, in getting to know yourself and regulating your emotions and all these things, right? So it's been the best investment. I highly, highly, highly um, recommend it for anybody. And you don't have to be in some depression, deep depression to go to it. You can just go to it to learn more about yourself, why you get triggered at certain things, why you react like this, like just to start to understand yourself more. It's a beautiful thing to understand yourself more. And it definitely is one of the reasons that I'm confident because I know why I am the way that I am, why I react the way that I react. And the awareness is the first step to healing, okay? So we're gonna end the recording there. If you're listening to Wake Up With WFAB podcast, please share on your stories and tag us. We love you so much and we appreciate you for tuning into the podcast. This is Dre and I'm out.